During the period known as Jim Crow in the United States, racial segregation rested on the ruling of Plessy versus Ferguson, an infamous Supreme Court case in 1896 which established the legality of a so-called separate but equal relationship between the white descendants of European colonists and the black descendants of the Africans that they had enslaved for over a century. This period of constitutionally legalized segregation would end with the Supreme Court case of Brown versus the Board of Education in 1965. However, unofficially, racial segregation in the United States has undeniably continued in neighborhoods, public schools, churches, restaurants, and elsewhere up until the present day. Authors such as the social scientist Beverly Tatum Hill, who wrote, Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting Together in the Cafeteria?, and activists such as Margaret Block of SNCC who quoted Martin Luther King's statement that integration was like running into a burning building, have addressed the complexity of U.S. integration history, and there is a need for historians to step up and do the same. This podcast will explore the integration experience of Joel Buchanan, a black man from Alachua County who, as a young boy, was one of the first children to integrate a white school in Gainesville. I lived closer to Gainesville High School, that was a white school, than I did to Lincoln High School, that was a Negro school. I was very involved in the integration of the NACP, the activities in Gainesville, and they needed some students to test to see if the school system would allow students to go to neighborhood schools. So several parents, my parents was one that followed suit against the school board, and they said, okay, we would let it go, we're going to do it quietly selected the first time, but we want the very better students. So they, I don't know how they selected 50 students to take a series of tests. I took a portion of the college entrance examination in ninth grade. <laughs> the room was so cold that day, I remember having to put my fingers between my legs to warm it up. But what was interesting, when I took the test, there was a white boy taking the test too. So I guess he was a plant, I don't know. So out of the 50, the top three, was chosen, and they said from the beginning, we have one boy and two girls, and I'm not the most masculine. He man, <laughs> and I was tiny at that time, so uh, I guess I was able to use the power of the pencil. And plus, they had to have parents, children of parents who was willing to support them financially, mentally, wholesomely, that they were able to curtail their life to work with them. We had a, our phone number was changed. It was told to my mother, Joelle just cannot bounce around anywhere because a student could be mad and upset Joelle. So they had to be willing to work with me. And they were very supportive. I realized that there was a lot of activity going because prior to that date, I had met with the former Dean of Women, of the Dean of Students at Lincoln High School, the Chief of Police, to discuss the activity that would take place the day of school and that we would have police protection from the time I left my home until I returned from school. And there was a lot of interest going on. My house was buzzing. The article had appeared in the paper that there would be, the school would be integrated. They did not discuss who the three other students were. I remember being awakened by my parent, my mother, having breakfast and being told that we are praying for you today. 
but you will not become ill or go in. It's going to be a difficult day, but you will survive. And now remember, the school had several thousand of students, and I was going to be the only black child, black boy there, and the other two were girls. And this did not happen in this city or this state ever in the history, proud of this day. One aspect of white privilege in America is the ability to work and live in a city without feeling like an outsider or other. For many people of color who work, attend school, and live in predominantly white communities around the U.S., every day can be an integration experience. As proved by the recent murders of Trayvon Martin and Renisha McBride, being a person of color in a white-dominated space can still be a very dangerous experience. Joel shares the memory of entering class in the cafeteria on his first day at Gainesville High as the only black boy in his state to attend a white high school. I was not aware of it until later that the FBI had arranged for us to have a driver. And the person that took us to school was the president of the local NACP here in Gainesville, Thomas Alexander Wright, Reverend Wright. He came to my door, picked me up in his car, and he had a white Cadillac, and we had not aware of it until later there was a planned route for us to school and from school. We arrived at school, and it was planned, prowl time, that we would not be on campus until after school was in session. So school started at 8.15, we arrived on campus at 8.45. We were greeted in the front of the school by the principal, the assistant principal, and I recalled directly across from the school, several police cars that was across from the school. And they were there the entire duration of that day. It was discussed being killed, that there was a possibility that we could be assassinated, killed. At that point, death did not mean to me what death it means today, because if I had known, I even thought that there was a remote chance that Joel could have been shot, and there were several students who were killed integrating schools or who were being integrating schools, I would not have gone with the effort. But at that point, I was not aware of it. We went into a, now we went into the office to collect ourselves and for them to get together. And I was escorted to my class, my homeroom class. And my homeroom teacher was Mrs. Grant. And I walked into class, into the room. Class was in session, but there was a seat left vacant for Joel Buchanan. And I walked in, you never heard you would never know because you're not black and you would never understand this. The hush. The room was busy with noise. There were chatter going on the first day of school. They did not know that I would be coming into class. She was aware of it. When I appeared at the door, instantly the room became quiet. And Mrs. Grant looked at me like I'm looking at you. She had not met me previously. I walked in. She said, class, this is Joel Buchanan. Say good morning to him. We walked in like it is in the cafeteria. You had several hundreds of students eating, busy, noisy. And these three little chocolate guys and girls walked in, walked in and the room became quiet. And the cafeteria was like half of an H, but an H horizontally. We got, during that period, we were trying to integrate restaurants and um, hotels and you walk into a restaurant that is just busy with people having fun and you walk in it just became quiet 
I mean silence. <clears throat> then there were teachers. Now we had problems with students, of course, but we had problems with teachers too. Some of these people had taught school for 30 years. I was the first Negro that they had taught. I could not be equal to them. I was not equal. So there was a problem there also. So because Mrs. X was my teacher does not mean that she was liberal and understanding. I had to get beyond that. And then with the pressures I had on just being there, trying to do the work, knowing that my work was being um, reviewed as an x-ray, that became difficult. One girl who was the fourth one, it publicly was printed that she was in 10th grade at a black school, but at Gainesville High School, she would have the equivalence of a fourth grader. That was front page information. So one morning I was, uh, had breakfast and my mother said to me, young man, here's a copy of your test. The results of my test was newspaper information. Joel is proud of his participation in public school desegregation. He and the other two African-American students who entered Gainesville High School with him that day all went on to graduate with honors. Joel believes that the trials of his teenage years at Gainesville High School gave him a greater sense of self. As an adult, he is still making history and desegregating in Gainesville. Now, by collecting oral histories from the local African-American community to expand records of African-American history and diversify the Samuel Proctor Oral History Collection at the University of Florida.